Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So at the tail end of January, there was a viral blog post that literally blew my mind. So much so (laughs) that I have been on the hunt for weeks to talk to people that are experiencing this and or not I, experiencing it. Exactly. And I wanted a bit of a scientific background too. So for those of you who saw my rant on Instagram <laughs> or on Facebook, cause I was literally all over the place with this. Cause I was just so fascinated. There was a blog post about this guy who had essentially a bad day. Cause he mm-hmm. found out that certain people do not have an inner monologue, meaning they do not have internal dialogue happening in their head where they're like talking to themselves. If you have this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't have this, you're literally so confused right now and that's okay. (laughs) We'll get into it. So I read this article and he was talking about how this does or doesn't exist and people have their own experience with it. And since then, I've gone on a journey to find other people who had this. I ran across like a handful, five or six people that I actually knew personally who swore up and down. They did not have an internal monologue. And Hannah was one of them. And I've been forever fascinated with it. So (laughs) Hannah, like, dude do you really not have an inner voice or like what is going on underneath the hood there? Okay. So it's a little bit of a mess, (laughs) but I didn't know that people had an internal monologue until I was diagnosed with ADHD and I listened to a podcast that talked about it. It's sort of like I see, like I'll visualize a conversation with like other people or the thing that I need to be doing, but I won't be thinking like that's the thing that has to happen next or I don't really have like thoughts in that way it's more like a visualization of something rather than a monologue there's no internal voice do you visualize as words or as like the scene like as the scene Mm. yeah (laughs) if I remember that I need to do something it's more that I'm like I kind of see the thing I need to be doing yeah rather than thinking like oh you should do that if that makes sense. Yeah. 
it's an interesting thing. I was flabbergasted when I learned that people like have a monologue. I had no idea. And then I asked my husband and he's like, you don't have that. And I was like, I had no idea that that was a thing. And he was like, this explains so much about my lovely wife. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Um, and I can imagine, I started wondering from like a scientific perspective, like what is happening in the brain? Is this an actual thing or are some people just not having the ability to tap into it? And so I started asking around in the scientific community, like, what are people saying? What are people thinking? I actually started with asking a psychologist and her first response was that perhaps it's not that people do not have one they're just not aware of how to tap into it or they don't know how to have a relationship with it. And that they're just in the same way we learn differently. Like some people are visual learners and some people are like contextual learners. Like they need to do the thing that perhaps this connection with that part of our brain is just tapped into in a different way. But then I met Barbara and Barbara is also a psychologist and she said she'd be willing to like do some digging on this and (laughs) find out some things. I'm a little disappointed with what maybe (laughs) hasn't been found out, but I'd love to know from your perspective, what you've been able to find from a scientific perspective, what's going on. Sure, sure, sure. Well, it started back in the 1920s and 30s. There was a psychologist by the name of Jean Piaget, and he was pretty much the first one to talk about inner thought or private speech, speaking to ourselves out loud. And he said, this is the initial form of speech that we have, but it kind of dies out as we grow up. But then in the 1930s, there was a researcher, a psychologist, a Russian psychologist by the name of Lev Vygotsky, and he proposed uh, instead that private speech develops from social speech, and it later becomes internalized as internal monologue rather than dying out. So this has kind of come to be the most accepted empirical research in the field. There's another researcher by the name of Dr. Hurlbert, and he's at UNLV. And he's kind of considered the maverick in this field. He's looked at this for years. And he said that, yeah, I understand that there's a lot of hoopla at this point about people being amazed that there are some people that don't have this play-by-play every day. But he said, really, more people don't have it than do. What? And so, yeah. And so he did a bunch of research in this area. So his name is Dr. Hurlbert, Russell T. Hurlbert. And he said it's an oversimplification. Uh, sure. He said that experts agree that not everyone experiences this. And he said that some people talk to themselves a lot, some never, some occasionally. Mm-hmm. But What's most intriguing about this is I think that both camps, a lot of research refers to it as the haves and the Mm have-nots, didn't realize that this was actually happening. Right. For sure. Everyone is just kind of shocked that this is not a fundamental human experience that everyone has. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going (laughs) to guess based on your behavior that you have an internal monologue personally. I do. Okay. I do definitely. Like I'm going to replay that probably later. Like what is Zencaster? I've never heard of that before. And and I'm going to go through this whole thing from our experience today. Right. And that's not 
uncommon to me, but when Hannah and I started this background conversation that unfortunately you guys are not privy to everything that Hannah and I discussed, but (laughs) I remember her very adamantly saying that perhaps the lack of internal monologue could be related to certain social I don't think ADHD is considered a deficit, but a condition. What would you call it? It's not like it's a social condition. It's a neurodiversity. Okay. Mm. Like I didn't understand the neurological aspect to it until I had to go and get neurological testing when I was Mm -hmm. diagnosed. Yeah. Um, So your brain actually functions differently. So your hypothesis was the lack of internal dialogue is related to that neurological difference that's happening. Do you know much about the difference that's going on in the brain in the background when someone does have ADHD? So you've got to keep in mind that for women in particular, the diagnosis, particularly in adulthood, is a really new phenomenon. Usually mm-hmm. women like myself, girls fell through the radar because they're not typically hyperactive or they suppress hyperactivity because of like social expectation and things like that. So there's different viewpoints on exactly what's happening. A big part of it is dopamine receptors. So I, they think that they're basically misfiring, which is why we would react differently to something like a stimulant medication. Like a stimulant medication can actually make me sleep better overall because my brain is able to mm. function more effectively in terms of I'm not like looking for a dopamine hit basically in the form of chocolate or social media or the different ways that you distract yourself. But I think from, and Barbara, you probably know more about this than me, or I would no doubt know more about this than me, but they're now doing studies and finding that there's actually like differences in the brain structure as well. So you don't have a lot of ability to organize your thought, which I would assume an internal monologue helps with. I know many of them don't define themselves as having an internal monologue. They're like, we have thoughts, but it's not a logical conversation by any means. Oh, really? Um, I've heard people say it's kind of like a concept map for some people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a really good way of putting it. And one lady said that she didn't really think about things and process them like a dialogue, like a conversation, but she just said that in her subconscious, when she's ready to produce the information, it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why you'll find ADHD people have a tendency to go on tangents because it's very easy to derail one thought with another thing that pops in the mind. It's not that I don't know the information that I'm explaining, but it's very difficult to remain on a point in part because I'm processing it as I say it rather than processing Mm. it before I say it, if that makes sense. That's why I'm constantly saying, does that make sense? Because I don't know if it's made sense. Yeah, no, it absolutely (laughs) does make sense. And I know that like when you explained it to me, you felt like it made you more, like some people would see that as a compulsion that you are processing those thoughts out loud And obviously interacting with other people. But you mentioned that one of the things that helped you was actually starting to have a dialogue, but solely with yourself. So you're speaking out loud instead of thinking internally. Is that something that's accurate for you? Yeah. So when I'm on my own or like even when family's around, I'll now be talking to myself. Like, why did I come in here? 
mm-hmm. because I'll often go to another room because I need to get something and then spend 10 minutes there doing something else. I'll remind myself as I'm going somewhere. So you need to do this. This is why you're going here. And mm-hmm. it makes you sound a little bit dense. <laughs> But it's been very helpful for me in terms Mm -hmm. of staying more organized and sticking to routines because routine is very difficult Mm -hmm. for people with ADHD. And when you have a child, that becomes more Mm -hmm. complicated. Mm -hmm. So speaking out loud is very useful. And I frame it with my daughter as sort of explaining to her what needs to be done. But really a huge part of it is that I'm reminding myself what needs to happen next. So, yeah. I would love to hear how it works for you. And then Barbara, I would love to hear some like shifts that maybe some other people who maybe struggle with the same thing can have or can go through. What does it look like for you, Hannah, to, because I know I find it super beneficial for me to not only talk out loud, but think and talk out loud with other people, specifically when I'm brainstorming for business. And it might be like you hear people who like, I have my best ideas when I'm in the shower, because you're only focused on kind of bathing and showering. And maybe your brain is worrying and you have all of these thoughts. But now I'm imagining that that doesn't happen for you exactly like it does for me. And so how do you find it best to business brainstorm with yourself or maybe someone else to kind of literally like strategize about something in business? I strategize best when I'm working with other people. I find it really difficult to strategize for my own business Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus like I do it with great ease for clients. And people will say to me, I can't believe you just had that idea on the fly. But it's because it's sort of part of a conversation. Mm-hmm. A huge mundane things or things that are difficult to get started on are very hard to do independently, at least for me. So, yeah, working with other people and having them sort of keep me to the topic or feeling like I'm forcing myself to keep with the topic so people still want to hire me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a big thing for me is just writing down huge pages of everything mm. that pops into my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have to go and work out how to filter that into something meaningful as well. So the other way that I sort of get to a point of real strategy with my own business is that as well. So once a week, I sit down and do a giant dump list of every single thing that pops into my mm-hmm. head so that I can download it somewhere that isn't my brain. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't have that monologue, it's very easy for you to be, you know, oh, that thing hasn't been done. And it's not because like anyone's told me, it's like I've seen something somewhere that has reminded me of the thing that I needed to do. So like I'll see a name or I'll see a sign or I'll drive past, like I have to do an application for my daughter for something and I'll drive past and I've actually filled it out, but I haven't dropped it in. I drove past the synagogue yesterday and went, (laughs) oh my gosh, I haven't done that thing. And driving past the synagogue, it's what reminded me. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. internally that I was reminded to do it. Yeah. Do you have anything to add on to that for other people who might go through the same things? Sure, sure, sure. It's interesting too, Hannah. I haven't seen a lot about the connection between ADHD and an internal monologue, but really interesting, the points that you bring up. And the focus is a big part of what you probably go through as well. And so Since much of the work has to be done externally, as you were talking, I was thinking of some different tips. The first would be, like you said, taking notes, doing a big brain dump. Mm -hmm. And that helps even when we do have an internal monologue because it kind of helps to declutter what's going Mm -hmm. on and kind of make space. The next is a voice recording. Mm. Those always help to put things on record. 
And then also saying it out loud, either to yourself or to an accountability partner of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of those make sense. And I think work across the board, but I could see why if that's something you're... And when I say lacking, I don't want to imply that the lack of one is a negative thing. Mm -hmm. I just simply think it's different. Different. And and I don't know. I think the majority of people I found that do not have one, they don't feel a sense of anything missing. No. And they seem to be less interested in this topic than the people that do have one. <laughs> Who have one and are Very like, true. wait, I can't wrap my head around yeah. not um, hearing my voice feel, all the time. I feel like it's almost not apathy, but like it's not like there's a space that's void or something. Mm-hmm. I personally, and this is just my very small subgroup of people that I personally know that have told me they do not have it. I have found that those people are people I would consider highly intellectual and may come across as socially awkward, not because they're awkward people, but because they're just, I don't know. I feel like the smarter you are, the more odd you can appear in society. But every single one of them, I would be like, oh, like it doesn't surprise, like they have a lot in common if you were to compare them as individuals, even though they don't know each other. I think that it could make you really powerful because you're willing to just speak your word versus if you do have one, I've found there's a lot of things I never say. Mm-hmm. Because I only think them. Well, and I take forever sometimes to process things because I can do it just inside and on my own. I love what Hannah said, specifically when she's talking with clients about how, oh my gosh, how did you come up with that idea? Because our brain is in the moment and in that conversation. And I think that that is a really powerful tool instead of, you know, I sometimes find myself having to specifically stop like ruminating on something or like being anxious Mm -hmm. about something because Mm -hmm. it's constantly being played out in my head. But I'm sure, Hannah, you still experience anxiety like the rest of us. I won't sit and ruminate on something in the same way. Like it's more, again, in the moment, like Mm -hmm. I have specific anxieties about my daughter, but they're not things that I'll be like thinking about right now. But if I'm sitting, hugging her and like putting her to bed and she's being sweet and, you know, it's that time of day where they're not driving you crazy, (laughs) my immediate thought is like, anxious thoughts about her. But it's it's Mm -hmm. always in the moment that I feel the anxious thought. It's not something that I go away and think about. Interesting. If that makes sense. It's more a reaction to a moment rather than keeping me up at night, if that makes sense. So no, that it does was, make you, a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally just making like side-by-side comparisons of my, because I know you and I personally have also had some private conversations about just anxiety and parenting and thoughts in general. And when I'm in the moment with my daughter, I am so calm and so at ease and feel safe and everything feels fine. Like I have her, everything's good. I'm not saying that you don't feel calm or safe, but my thoughts are 100% the opposite of like, when I go to try to close my eyes at bed, then it's like, okay, but all of these bad things could also happen. (laughs) So it's just really interesting that, you know, when you are sharing very similar things that I go through with an internal monologue. I think it's really interesting that we're facing the same, I need to declutter my brain, just like you feel like you need to brain dump. And the anxious thoughts come just the same, but maybe at a different time. So I just find it really funny that we're all actually going through the same shit. (laughs) Yeah. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? 
I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Um, well, yeah, I feel like that's the universal thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Barbara, as a psychologist, I'm curious if you, just across the board, I know that women tend to experience a lot of doubt and anxiety and fear that knows any bounds to the way you think you just experience those things. So 
since we have a free session right now, uh, can you give us some thoughts on regardless of the way we process, what are some tactics that we can include to kind of work through some of those things, whether they're insecurities or just like fears about our business, what that could look like? We all experience, even if all things are equal, we all experience things differently. The one thing that I tell my clients is to focus on the facts because so often we get into this overthinking mode, whether it's more internal or more external, focus on the facts. And that way we don't spend a lot of time speculating Mm. because we can come up with a million different (laughs) reasons for something. But if we don't really focus on the facts, we'll be spinning our wheels forever. Mm-hmm. And also, when we have that anxiety, definitely reach out to someone, whether it be a business partner or a, a friend or a mental health professional. But more than anything, especially in business, because I think most of us have that and share that in common, realize that you're going to have those disappointments, the failures. You're going to have to make the sacrifices. And those are all part of the journey. Mm. But so kind of just be realistic, focus Mm. on the facts and never be afraid to reach out to someone. I couldn't agree more. Going back to the haves and have nots as you referred Mm to them, is there any other hypotheses or like things you're seeing among the scientific community about this? You know, the biggest thing is I think that we are inclined to think there's something wrong with us, whether we have it or whether we don't. And we're always wondering, you know, well, what's wrong with me if I don't? But the main thing we should focus on is difference doesn't mean deficit. It just means difference. And I think that these kinds of conversations, exposure always makes things equal. It kind of takes down the barriers and the walls in so many of these situations. I think just hearing and like talking through it today, while I still find it extremely <laughs> mind-blowing, I, you guys, I was just like completely thrown off for days. It was yeah. all I could all think I about. All I want to do is compare situations. Be like, okay, but what do you do when I do it like this? I, I love well, that. Well, then do it. What are like some top situations we can quiz Hannah on? I mean, I'm just thinking of all of the times where when I'm taking my daughter to school and coming back home, I like to have the radio off and I just chill because I'm literally just thinking in my head about business or what else I need to do. I make my list in my head of stuff to do. I can remember. So like, here's a good question I have for you, Hannah. My husband misplaces literally everything. I'm not sure if he has an internal monologue. I will have to ask him. I would not be surprised if he doesn't just based on how he processes some things. He also has ADD and he's an Enneagram six, if anyone's familiar with that. So like we have a whole mess of stuff that we're working on over here, but he misplaces everything. If he's coming to try to find something that I've put somewhere, I have to literally stand there and kind of close my eyes and like think back to what I was doing when I last had that item, like what was going on in the day or my life. And I can tell you within like if you just give me a minute of quiet, I can tell you it's in this exact drawer in this room behind this thing over here. And I can do it for my daughter's stuff, for his stuff. And I don't know if that has to do with internal monologue or just the way that I process, like, I don't know, remembering things, but I'm interested to see Hannah, if it's any different for you based on your brain circumstances. 
It's totally different. I mean, I lose things all the time and I'm constantly in a state of trying to create systems in my home that will allow me not not to lose things all the time, which basically is I have a checklist of things to do so that my daughter's shoes always end up in the same place for the morning Mm -hmm. because otherwise they're going to end up in all sorts of places. And it wouldn't even necessarily be that she's put it there. It's that she's taken it off here and I've picked it up. And then gotten distracted by something, put it down. And I won't remember that that was the point at which I had the shoes. So Mm -hmm. the number of things that I've lost over the years, like (laughs) it's really impressive that I haven't lost an AirPod yet. I have thought I've lost them. (laughs) I have thought I've lost them. Turns out they can go through the wash and survive. turns out they can be left in all sorts of places. So for me, I have to set up really specific systems for where things go. Otherwise, I just won't remember where it is yeah. at all. And that can be really interesting as a parent because things need to be found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of my questions in that regard, so I would say across the board, if you have an internal monologue, rehearsing yes. is probably one of ask about that. the most common things we do. Like we think I'm speaking for everyone with an internal model, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure this happens across the board. You're thinking about what's next or like where you're going or what you're doing, but like you're walking through all of it, like from start to finish. And it's sometimes visual, but more than likely you're actually saying the words of mm-hmm. what's going to happen in your brain. So like, I'm going to get in the car. It takes me 10 minutes to get there. And then I need to do this and I need to check in with her and I'm going to say something to so-and-so and here's what I'm going to say. But we do this for things that are completely non-important, like very like everyday tasks, but then we'll definitely do this in a really big way for like conflict or conversations mm-hmm. before it happens. Like, Ooh, honey, he just broke some words <laughs> or he just broke some rules in my house or something ethically was wrong or I'm mad about whatever. And before I go go into a conflict situation, I'm like sitting thinking about the things I'm going to say, or definitely after a conflict is happening, this isn't rehearsing, but it is the reflection period. It's like you're rehashing everything out. You're thinking about everything that happened. I would have said this if I... (laughs) Yes. I would have said, and like you literally say, I would have said... So for you, what is... I'm what does conflict look like for you? Well, not only conflict, but like if you were to oh, go... Conflict I w- is a mess because it's impossible to stay on topic. And my husband's always like, why do you send me this wall of text rants? I'm like, because it's the only <laughs> way that I can actually make... Text rants. That's so good. He's like, I don't get why you need to write this out. I said, because I would never actually figure out a way to say it. Yeah. In I need to go into having so a discussion about So do you get angry things. over text messages? Uh, I will leave something alone and then I'll be like, just so you know, I'm upset about this. And he's like, you just sent me like 300 words. Just so you know. (laughs) I've had to learn not to do that and to like wait and like write myself notes in my notes app of like the thing that I want to talk to my husband about because Uh. it's not really appropriate to send him like a wall of text while he's presenting a QBR to a venture capital firm. <laughs> you know. Probably not. Probably not. But um, what about the rehearsing thing? Like is I how do you prepare really or do you? I don't no, I don't really rehearse. Like if I'm going to a meeting, I'll literally like speak the conversation out loud, like mm-hmm. have the things that I think I should say 
and try and think of things that I typically get asked and what my response would be for that situation when I'm driving there. Like doing that in my head is an impossibility. I would never be like, I don't do that. Before you realized that you couldn't do it in your head, imagine back to before you knew internal monologues were a thing, which you said was a couple of years ago, right? Um, I just thought I was really, really, really dumb and lazy because I couldn't remember to do anything. And I couldn't articulate myself. Like I didn't understand why I could have, this sounds like I'm tooting my own horn. Like I have an incredibly high IQ. You do. But I do. (laughs) Without the structure of high school, once I left high school, I did really well in high school, but there was a ton of structure. Without the structure of high school, I fell apart at university and I thought it was just because I was dumb. And it was only like, I was 32 and I got diagnosed with ADHD and I started researching and I was like, oh, okay. I had created a lot of systems, but I didn't understand why I needed them. Like now I understand why I need them and they're much more effective, if that makes sense. Early adulthood was very difficult because I didn't know that other people had an internal monologue. I didn't know that the reason I would interrupt people was because I wasn't thinking before Mm. I said something. And it wasn't even that I said offensive things, like maybe I did sometimes, but... (laughs) You've got to be friends with people who are fine with the inappropriate joke. That's for sure. <laughs> Just so uh, you know, I am. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, that's, that's why I like you. Like just now, I'm like, what was I saying? I've forgotten what I was saying. Um, I didn't know that all of those things were the experience of a lot of other people. And obviously that's an ADHD thing. And I'm sure there's people without it who do have an internal monologue. I just only realized about it once I started digging into the different communities and it came up again and again as like a suggestion to talk to yourself out loud and that I could recall like a day where I'd gotten nothing done long before I got diagnosed. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I like yelled, I'm like, what are you doing? Why aren't you getting these things done? Mm. And I didn't realize that that's because I wasn't internally telling myself to mm-hmm. get the thing done. Even though I knew the thing needed to be done, I couldn't process what I needed to do that day to actually make it happen. So were you only able to function as a child with lists or with the systems that you keep referring to? I think there was an aspect of, I very often didn't have organized books. I managed to skate through in some ways Mm -hmm. because I was smart and I was good at cramming at the last minute with notes. And even that involved making my brother quiz me until I like wrote, learned the thing that I realized I needed to know for the test. And then that like I had to say it out loud and have the notes and repeat the notes to someone else. Once you got to university, there's at least in Australia, there's just no structure at all. And most people work a 30 hour a week job with yeah. university because you stay at home. It's, it's just a very different culture, but there's not a lot of structure at all. I could well, literally talk about this all I day. I know. <laughs> and I was just going to add on one tiny piece of that. I think it's very funny. I feel like you and I have had this conversation before, Hannah, but I had a very similar experience in college as you did with an internal monologue without ADHD. And I just find it really f- interesting how so many of us crave structure and are given structure for so long and then just put out into the world with nothing. I was honor student in all the AP taking college credit classes in high school and got to college and was like, WTF is happening. And I had the same thoughts about myself as well, that I'm not actually smart. Like high school must've been easy. And I only succeeded because teachers liked me or whatever. And so it was a four-year process of kind of unlearning and relearning 
what I actually needed to thrive. Yeah. I think the big takeaway from it was before I knew, I just thought I was lazy and dumb. Yeah. Same. So that was, and I think same. that's unfortunate. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I just want to like put out there that this is just single-handed experience. And if we were to like actually do a scientific study, there would be hundreds of recounts and lots of quantitative and qualitative data to like skim through. And so while I totally can imagine that a ton of people relate to various aspects of this, just know that this is one recount and one experience. And like to add on the layer of also having ADHD on top of the lack of internal monologue, I'm sure has a significant effect. Also, we need a new name for it. I hate lack of internal monologue. It's just... Do you talk to yourself or not? Oh, well, I don't know. But I don't see, know. Hannah still does. Yeah, but then I feel like people don't talk about the fact that they have an internal monologue because they don't want to be viewed as talking to themselves. Mm, and it's like, right. well, it turns out it's actually something a lot of people do and that it's a very useful thing. It's a very useful <laughs> thing and it's just under-talked about across the board because I think we just all assume because we're so similar as like a human culture because we can relate to people that live on the other side of the planet just because we're human and like we have similar emotions and feelings and stresses and all the things and I could go on all day about it but if this is something that interests you first of all I encourage you to go read the original viral post which I will attempt to make sure it gets included in the show notes mostly because it's hilarious and I'm very entertaining but if you find out more information, literally, I could eat this stuff up all day. So please DM us over at Boss Project and let us know your personal experience with or without it, or if you have more scientific information to back it up. And just as an overall reminder, regardless if you feel like you're going through life and things are going well or not, if you're struggling to process stress, fear, anxiety, if you just don't feel like you have an approach to certain things, know that regardless of if you think you're in a healthy place or not, there are people like Barbara that are here to help and they want to support you. And I am like a huge mental health advocate across the board. Like get it before you think you need it. Yeah, we could yeah. all use don't, it. Don't take no for a first answer. Because exactly. I think in my situation, which is again, really, I'm talking about ADHD because that's my experience, but women are very often told that they have depression. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that they're overwhelmed and they're not coping. So I was repeatedly just diagnosed with depression. And that's a really common story. So you don't have to take the first, like if you feel something's wrong and you're not getting good answers, try and find someone who really listens to you because I wish I'd found that a lot earlier. Yeah. Well, Barbara, if you could give us some parting words of advice, because I feel like at the end of the day, this just comes back to mental health and like we all want some peace and clarity and to be happy. So like if you could give us some words of advice, we'll wrap things up. Sure, sure. Thank you so much, Hannah, for being here and kind of just being vulnerable and answering our questions. Like you said, and I echo, depression is like the common cold of mental <laughs> illness, you know? Mm -hmm. So always make sure to advocate for yourself just like you would with your physical health when it comes to your mental health. And we don't have to use the word lack at all because it's just something that's different. And it's amazing that we are now 
realizing that we have so many differences. Again, this is good information for teachers, for family members and friends who might not have ever heard about this because maybe now, you know, people might not fall through the cracks Mm -hmm. like they might have in other cases. So the awareness is always good. Just keep having the conversations and listening. Mm -hmm. Listening is always something that can help in every situation. I love that. Thank you all so much for being here. Yeah. And before we go, just really quick, where can people hang out with you online or learn more from you? Hannah, I should have asked you from the beginning if you wanted to be anonymous or if you wanted to be uh, who you are. So I haven't used... No, it's totally fine. I mean, I'm pretty... Last year, I decided to be more open about the fact that I have ADHD. And so that's totally fine to not be anonymous. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at the Hannah Chester and at www.hannachester.com to learn about me and the things I do with relation to marketing and strategy and how I balance that with my mom life and ADHD and all that fun stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Barbara, what about you? I can be found at at Dr. Period B, as in boy, Shabazz, S-H-A-B-A-Z-Z. And every day I talk about more ways for us to be intentional and take our plans and put them into action in practical ways. Love that. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.